Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. I'm Leslie Marshall, live on remote broadcast here in Los Angeles, California, coming at you live today. We have got a lot to talk about. On Friday, an executive order has wreaked havoc on the United States, perhaps business, our reputation, uh, Americans, and fear worldwide. We're seeing protests, and we need to know the specifics with regard to this executive order. We also need to know the legalities. There are a number of lawsuits being put forth and a lot of people not recognizing their United States of America today. Uh, joining us, and more than a pleasure to have back on the show, Ben Johnson, Executive Director of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, the AILA. Uh, ben, thank you for joining us. Welcome back. Good afternoon. I know how busy you and so many other immigration lawyers are, especially uh, today and in the days uh, just recently behind us since Friday. Welcome. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, ben, you were quoted in the Detroit News, and I'm going to read just a bit of that. Um, you cited the purpose um, of the travel ban as a source of concern, and you said, quote, this is a thinly veiled attack on Islam. People calling it a Muslim ban, there are those on the right that say no, including the president himself, who says he's just trying to keep America safe. Even Rudy Giuliani said this is a backdoor uh, Muslim ban. So first of all, um, so that people understand, and people are confused, Barack Obama promised to close Guantanamo Bay, gets into office, and with the first couple of weeks, I think within the first 10 days, signed an executive order to close Gitmo. Gitmo, as we know it, still is open. So some people are asking, how come Donald Trump signs an executive order like this and immediately, without checking with the Department of Justice, the State Department, uh, his soon-to-be Secretary of State, um, or... Uh, you know, anybody in Homeland Security, how does somebody take a pen, sign this, and wreak such havoc on hundreds of people's lives and, you know, just all the chaos that has ensued uh, since then? Well, I mean, the barrier between Barack Obama's uh, effort to close Gitmo and, and, and getting it done was was Congress. You know, it was the Republican Congress that stepped in to uh, prevent uh, the Gitmo from being closed. And the, I mean, obviously, I think one of the problems that we have now is that Congress is still treading on, you know, I think on eggshells in terms of figuring out how to respond uh, to the president. And although there has been, I think, happily and proudly, some, you know, plenty of Republicans who have stood up and and uh, said this is, you know, is a bad idea. Uh, so far, Congress, you know, as a whole, as a body, isn't hasn't you know, stepped up to, to, to really stop the implementation of this. So the president has a lot of authority uh, when it comes to uh, executive orders, and uh, but it's not an unlimited authority. It's authority that can and should be checked by Congress. It's a, an authority that, where appropriate, can and should be checked by the courts. 
and then I would add to the voices of all the people that are out on the streets the last couple of days, it's an authority that can at least politically be constrained by those of us the government is supposed to, to represent, the people. Absolutely. Let's talk about who the executive order applies to, because, of course, there are people that have opinions and talking heads, like myself, or bloggers, and then uh, there are, unfortunately, some fake news cycles out there. Who does the executive order specifically apply to? Well, you know, I will say that is a moving target. <laughs> uh, the, on You read the words on the paper, uh, and it, it says one thing, and then I think as they have run into uh, both reality and resistance, uh, judicial resistance and resistance uh, in, in other places, uh, the administration's attempt to sort of redefine or re- refine the words that are on the paper. But, you know, on paper what it does is it suspends the entire refugee program, uh, so any refugees coming into the United States for 120 days. It bans all Syrian refugees until further notice. We're not going to provide any uh, protection from the uh, horrible things going on in Syria for those folks seeking uh, fleeing that violence. Uh, it seeks to, at least for the next 90 days, ban all entries, that's what it says, the entry of any foreign national from Iran, Iraq, uh, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. Now, on the face of that, the entry would apply to immigrants, right, legal permanent residents, as well as non-immigrants. The Secretary of Homeland Security has backtracked and said that he will declare that the admission of legal permanent residents is in the national interest, and those cases will be reviewed on a case-by-case basis. Of course, no guidance for that. Uh, It also says that there will be enhanced interviews and increased screenings, really, for everybody, uh, for the purpose of finding malicious intent and evaluating the likelihood of somebody becoming a positively contributing member of society. So it's pretty vague language uh, about what that means, but it's very sweeping in terms of its scope. It's pretty, and I'm not trying to make this so simplistic that my eight- or nine-year-old could ask this question, but it's coming down to that sometimes, Ben. I think you would agree, because obviously no one is going to sit there trying to come into the United States to do harm and and show their hand or admit their master plan. Uh, Then again, there are people that come here or who are born here um, who become radicalized. My argument just moments ago on national television was that these seven nations, none of these seven nations have people that come from there, uh, legally or illegally, that have uh, committed any terrorist attack on U.S. soil, one. And two, all of the countries, the Muslim countries that aren't listed um, with this executive order, are countries that President Trump uh, has business dealings in. Um, This is more than a coincidence. And then we add to that, if people say this isn't a Muslim ban, that we had a mosque in Texas burned down within 24 hours of it, or within 48 to 72 two hours of it, a mosque in Quebec where there was a shooting that killed six people. Um, so I, I, I want you to, just when, when the president says this is not a Muslim ban, you completely disagree, correct? Well, I, I don't think there's any question that the language of this certainly uh, seems to be an intent to uh, to target a particular religion. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of bad stuff in this document to focus on, So, I, although I certainly encourage others and applaud uh, your efforts to uh, you know, to raise awareness about, you know, business dealings and all those kinds of things. I mean, I'm going to stay focused on the four corners of this document that are <laughs> scary enough. Uh, 
So I think when you when it says as in, in this preamble to this document that uh, that it is you know this proclamation that the United States cannot and should not admit those who do not support the Constitution or those who would place violent ideologies over American law, you know that kind of language is I think just very thinly veiled language uh, you know aimed at some of the rhetoric we've seen uh, during the campaign uh, aimed at at Islam. Um, and you know that's fair enough to to ensure that people uh uh, you know, support the principles of the Constitution if they're coming here to be legal permanent residents, perhaps, or, or even really U.S. citizens. But, you know, non-immigrant visitor visas, all those kinds of things that, you know, to, to suggest that everybody must uh, profess support for the Constitution is kind of like, you know, England saying, I only get to visit the U.K. if I, if I, if I acknowledge the sovereignty of the Queen. I, I don't, you know, there are limitations on, on, uh, on, on what kinds of expectations we can impose on those folks that are business travelers or visitors and, uh, for, for tourism and those kinds of things. Yeah, and, and and business, not to mention and ambassadors, diplomats, and things like that. Um, let's talk about um, what has happened since in in the courts. Uh, there was a federal judge that had uh, stopped this uh, ban uh, temporarily. One, how long is that? And I think again, some people who don't understand the law and the hierarchy of uh, state and and federal uh, judges that there was a Boston judge, and then there was a decision, you know, in Virginia, there was a decision in New York. Um, how many of these decisions need to be made to uh, affect this on a national level, A, and B? How long uh, do these uh, you know, continue to remain in effect? Is it days or is it weeks? Well, they are in effect now, and the federal, uh, all of those federal judges have uh, enjoined the federal government from you know, pursuing the targeted policies that were subject of, this, of these, these different pieces of, of legislation, you know, enjoining that on a national level. Uh, so, you know, judges uh, can only uh, litigate the issues that are in front of them and the, and the people that have been harmed as they present themselves. So in some cases, uh, one of the cases in New York, uh, it was special immigrant visas uh, and other categories, including legal permanent residents. So that's, a, that's I think, a broader uh, injunction that is is national in scope. Uh, the Boston case was more focused on legal permanent residents. So all of those injunctions are... Uh, applicable, you know, e- a- a- across the country, according to the to the orders that have been signed by the judge, but they have different uh, they have different focuses. Once, for instance, uh, I think in Boston, or perhaps it was the one in Virginia, I forget now. Uh, you know, made it clear that one of the, the the principal grievances and violations here is that the Department of Homeland Security has made concerted effort to keep lawyers completely removed from this system. So. You know, this is if you think this is confusing for the border patrol officers that are trying to implement implement it. Imagine what it's like uh, for the folks that are the victims of these policies and the idea that they are being confronted with potential expulsion or a return to these countries without even understanding what's going on or an opportunity to be represented by a judge. That's that's pretty reprehensible. So this judge has said, look, you've got to give these folks an opportunity to talk to a lawyer and understand what their rights are. So. For now, the, certainly the people that arrived at the airport, or you know, while this, uh, you know, while they were in transit, uh, you know, b- b- before this issue, this uh, order was issued, I think those cases, those people have been ordered released. 
that seems to have happened. I think there is an ongoing violation of the other orders in that the agency continues to refuse to allow these folks to talk to a lawyer for lawyers to be involved, and that's something that we're monitoring to make sure that those violations are brought to the attention of the courts. Uh, right now, the state of Washington, my understanding, the Council of American Islamic Relations, um, at least you know one or two or a handful of other um, ACLU cases um, are you know individuals that are suing, suing uh, the president, is suing the government, suing over this. Um, there are those out there that are of the opinion in the legal world that they don't have a leg to stand on. Um, what what is what is your opinion of this? Is this unconstitutional? And um, are there you know are these lawyers wasting their time, or do they have a legal, uh, you know, footing here? Well, since they're, they've, they've won all of these injunctions, I think that's <laughs> a good argument to be made that, uh, you know, they're standing on, on pretty solid ground here. They, In order to get an injunction like that, you've got to show a, a likelihood of success, um, you know, in, in front of the judge, and I think the judges have acknowledged that there is a likelihood of success. So I, these can't be dismissed as... Uh, uh, you know, as 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 baseless. If they were baseless, I don't think a federal court judge would have issued the uh, injunction. Um, uh, you know, I, there are serious constitutional questions here, both on the face of the document and in the context in which they're given. One example is that they, you know the president has expressed the fact, uh, you know, his belief that the, you know, that Christian uh, those who are being the Christians that are being persecuted should should be should be treated preferentially, that they should, uh, their cases should be looked at first and they should be admitted first. Well, you know, that's you know, first-year law school stuff. You can't, you know, that's a, essentially a, uh, an indication that the United States prefers, uh, offers specialized protection to Christians over other religions. That's a violation of the First Amendment. Uh, now, again, that is, the, you know, the language in the document itself is a little more uh, nuanced than that, but you have to wonder uh, what's the difference between what the man who signs it says and what the words on the on the papers mean and um, the person who's signing it his in, his obvious expressed intention is relevant in determining the constitutionality of these things um, I want I want to ask um, also um, you know two more things and I know you're busy and got to let you go and we got a break but I don't care if we go late here and Andrew don't kill me because uh, this is very very important so people understand. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the, the goal is to get this, I would imagine, before the Supreme Court. I think, obviously, Donald Trump and his advisors know that that eight court currently, uh, with one vacancy, uh, Supreme Court uh, bench, um, if they are deadlocked and tie, the lower court's ruling stands, and then, you know, his executive order and his, you know, ban would go bye-bye. Um, he is obviously uh, trying to push forth that quickly. He said he's having a press conference tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern to announce um, his nominee to the Supreme Court. I think we would imagine looking at those names, the two or three that he's choosing from, they are quite um, uh, conservative. Um, you know, some people say these are very liberal federal judges um, that have, you know, marked this. Now, I know you don't have a crystal ball, uh, but uh, how, how quickly can this reach the Supreme Court? And is there a better shot at the lower court ruling standing with the eight that we have now, uh, as opposed to some of those names that we're looking at with Donald Trump possibly nominating tomorrow? 
Well, I guess it depends on uh, how you define quick. I mean, the, the legal system generally moves, uh, you know, very deliberately and 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 cautiously. Uh, I think, you know, relative to how other cases make their way up to the Supreme Court, it's a you know, there's a, there's a chance that this could this could move very quickly in judicial terms. But you know, that doesn't mean it's landing in front of the Supreme Court in the next uh, couple of months. That it would take longer than that for for these issues to work their way up to the Supreme Court. I mean, I think you can look at the at the uh, President Obama's action on uh, deferred action and saw how long it took for those cases to go from the federal district court uh, up to the Supreme Court. It happened within a year, uh, but you know certainly didn't move in, in a matter of days or weeks. So this may wind its way to the Supreme Court. I think they're really important issues, and they cut across a lot of ideological lines. I think there's a lot of judges on the, on the court currently uh, who have you know, firmly held religious beliefs, but you know, who recognize the uh, that one of the foundations of this country is uh, protecting against religious persecution across the board. Uh, so I think that will be a very interesting uh, showdown in uh, in any of these courts. And one last thing, I know we've kept you over time and I'm going into break late and everyone's going to kill me, but I have a number of people that have asked me this in the past 72 hours, and uh, or 48 to 72 hours, and that is, if an American citizen who holds an American U.S. passport was born in one of these seven countries, or God forbid the president add more countries, um, are they allowed to come to the United States, to come home, to travel outside the country? Yeah, this, it seems pretty clear that they haven't gone that far to make this apply to U.S. citizens. But that's worth pointing out that, look, I, it's, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that America has taken notice of this, uh, and, and many, many people are standing up against this third executive order. But let's pay attention to the fact that there were two previous executive orders that have actually far more reaching uh, effects and could and would affect far more American families because they talk about this kinds of, the kinds of enforcement going on in airports around the, the country in the last three days, that kind of pain and confusion uh, could be visited on families and cities all across the country because of those two previous executive orders. So I don't think we should take our eyes off of the totality of uh, actions that the president has taken. And I think American citizens in particular should be concerned about what happens to their families and their communities as a result of those two previous executive orders. We loved having you on, and we certainly will have you on again. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I apologize for going over. Uh, folks, that is Ben Johnson, Executive Director of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, the AILA. We've got to take a break, but do follow him on Twitter, AILA, Exec, D-I-R. The website is AILA.org, back after this. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. 